Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode, I've got another conversation lined up, which I think both my guest Helen and I are really looking forward to, and we hope you are too. So I hope we're not going to go too geeky on this, but um, welcome back to a very regular on the show. Helen, you might be the most regular person on the show, I'm not sure. Uh, Helen Amory. So welcome, Helen, back. Thank you, Fears. Yeah, great to be back. Um, so again. <laughs> yeah, again, which is great. And the conversation which I wanted to have with Helen, I thought, let's do it on the podcast, because she wrote on a LinkedIn post recently Two words that I thought, oh, they'd be great to distinguish and get behind. And the two words are awake and enlightenment. And she really neatly in her posts, which we'll put in the show notes, of course, um, made a distinction between people becoming awake and the enlightenment process and what that meant in how a coach might help. So, Helen... Would you first of all like to give your nice sort of neat distinction and then we'll dive into it and see where we go? Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you, Piers. Um, yeah, this just to give some context, so this distinction occurred to me in hmm, 2021. It, it really cemented, it really clarified and, and it made a huge difference to me in terms of understanding what I was doing and why I was doing it in all the various bits of development I'd ever done in my life. So I guess my hope with this conversation is that by us distinguishing that here, it will also support people listening to this that Great. with their own exploration. I know that some people, as I've some people who've who've read my book and mine and Sarah's book, if you've not listened to that podcast episode, that is also available here on Quality of Mind. <laughs> um, but we make that distinction in the book, and um, yeah, and people have said that was so helpful to have that. That distinction so that's that's kind of my hope out of this conversation is that it helps others the same as it helped me um so yeah so my distinction is that awakening is purely the recognition of our essential nature so there's one thing we're doing there's one direction we're going there's one thing albeit it's not a thing an object but it, there's one thing we're interested in which is purely who i really am it's purely who i'm before anything else and so in some ways, it's a very simple exploration because there's only one thing going on. Um, but as you know, Piers, there, is, there are many books and there are many people talking about it. It's amazing how much can be said about that one simple thing, the recognition of my essential nature. And then enlightenment for me is the clearing up of our psychology. So we've collected conditioning over the years, ever since we were born, some would say we came in ready to collect certain conditioning, certain programming, certain stories, certain beliefs. So we've we've done that through our lives. And well, it's happened anyway. We've not done it. It's happened. And then we can come to a point in life where we go, well, this isn't working anymore. This belief, this story, this idea is now butting up against life and causing me problems. And so the enlightenment process is the clearing up of that psychology where things we've taken to be absolute truths and held held as important to who I am or to my well-being, but which are now causing, yeah, causing issues, causing resistances, causing problems. So yeah, the enlightenment for me is, is both thought-based conditioning, but also the physical, also the emotional, um, all of that system, all of that the human system, if you like. Um yeah, and, and to me both are both are valuable, both are, are mutually supportive. But wow, enlightenment gets so much easier once you've awakened. And we can probably talk about that a bit more. Yeah, right. So in, in a nutshell, uh, awakening is a recognition of what we truly are. And we'll get into that in a moment. And that can happen in a moment. And enlightenment is the clearing up of our psychology 
um, if, if you like, our relationship with the world of form, the world and our internal world of psychology. So it's clearing that up. So awakening is the kind of recognition of what we are and enlightenment is the clearing up. Now, let's just dive into that a little bit more. So on, on the awakening side, I mean, there's many other podcasts that we've done around what that is. Uh, and some people will all be very familiar with that. But let's just give what one minute on what we, when we say the sentence, our recognition of what we truly are, what do we mean? Yeah, so so if everything, everything could be taken away from you and you would still be here, it's what what that is. So what is most essential to you when everything else that can be stripped out has been stripped out? So if I, um, so I can be here and not have thoughts running in my mind. So I know that thoughts aren't, aren't essential to who I am. I can have a feeling of sadness and that's not a permanent experience that's here all the time. So that can't be who I am because I'm here, whether I'm feeling sad or not. Um, I can even not always have an experience of the body. So I can be engrossed in something and have no awareness of there being a body so that can't be who i really am and so it's this exploration of yeah the the stripping away the the yeah the seeing of what is not permanent to who i am as well as seeing well what is what is it about me that is always here that knows a body or not a body that knows a thought or not a thought what is that that i am that has always been here from day dot and yes. which hasn't ever come and gone so the question is what is consistent and eternal to us what is it never goes never changes and and the answer to that question the short answer but this is something we would suggest people find out in self-inquiry is anything that we're aware of a thought a perception a sensation a me a self a body comes and goes as you say, when you're engrossed, when you're in real flow, there's no Helen, there's no peers, there's no body. There's just whatever, just the isness without any of that. So what is it that comes and goes and what is it that stays? And when, when you inquire into that, you get to see, well, all, all that really is the only thing that's really consistently there is the what I would call the capacity for awareness, the space of awareness, consciousness, some people might call it. Anything you're aware of, thoughts, feelings, sensations, perceptions come and go. So they, in in that in awakening, we get to go, oh, I'm not Piers or Helen. I'm not 49 years old. I, I'm not this or that. I am something pre that. I am the thing that's aware of Piers or Helen. Mm. So that's awakening. And actually yeah. what we start to see is that we are, we are the space everything else happens in, right, rather than the content. Yeah, and, and just one final step on that which to me is so important, is that we, so we have absolutely that recognition of, oh, that's that's not who I am. But it's really important for me that we have the word that's not essential to who I am. Because in the full recognition, I am all of this yeah. as well. Right. So I, yeah. I, I'm fundamentally <clears throat> and most essentially awareness. And I show up as Helen, I show up as Piers, I show up as a table and a computer. And, you know, I, I am the ground of all form-based experience. So, it's, so there's no, there's absolutely no throwing anything away in this. There's no discarding. There's no diminishment or dismissal because in that full recognition, in the full circle of the journey, it's, oh, no, I, actually, I am the ground of all of this. I yes. Am so so I'm all of it, including my psychology. So, so everything that comes yes. in the awareness, I am that too. But what is essential... Yeah. And therefore, my true nature is the stuff before, because that's the only thing that hangs around. Well, the only thing that is uh, consistently, eternally there. Therefore, yeah. that can be the only thing that I am, because everything else has some fluctuation or coming and going to it. It's still what I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but I think we've been so innocently, invisibly conditioned to think that I am the self which is a thought yeah, you know so yeah. so we'll, we'll, we'll pull it we'll, the awakening is the the other thing to say about awakening is it's not because it sounds like a grand word doesn't it <laughs> it's not like you go from being unawake to awake um yeah it can feel like that but it's more the recognition of that because it's always there we're always awake really 
Yeah. Um, it's just the we don't recognize that. Yeah, yeah. So that's so the awakening to me is and and as as you say, it's you start to see it more clearly and clearly, more and more and more clearly that oh, that's that is what my true nature is. That mm. is what is essentially my true nature. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we've always had it. It's always there. Yeah. It's yeah. not a new thing. Um, you, do you know it makes me smile? Is because um, you were saying there about how it sounds so grand, the word awakening. And when I first um, met you, and I think it was probably on our initial intake call, I remember saying to you, so is this awakening? Because I'd read a book, um, the, the, the Essence of Buddhism, or Buddhism Plain and Simple, that's what it was called. But it was a real, like, just the pure essence of it. And I'd so I'd heard this term awakening and I was like, oh, I want that. Like there was something in me that just knew that's that's something I want. I remember when I first said that to you and you were like, um, well, and I think knowing there's so much baggage with that word. There's so many, like it's such an easy thing for the mind to get attached to and grab hold of and go, oh, ooh, big, fancy, shiny thing over there. I want that. I want that. Then I'll be good. Then I'll be special. Then I'll be amazing. And, and in fact, the reality is that as you've kind of intimated just then is that awakening is so simple and so obvious and so ordinary but and but you can't know that until you know it like until that yes. point it looked like something very special out there that i had to get and and it's almost isn't it because you know a two-year-old would have no if it could conceptually understand this conversation would go well of course that's me right so really what we're saying in the awakening part of this conversation it's the recognition and the, the the fuller seeing that that is what I am, rather than just being there and 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 almost like our relationship with the fact that the self doesn't exist, which I realise is a relationship from the self, which makes it confusing. But but it but it's it's because that's what actually triggers the enlightenment, making enlightenment much easier when you fully recognise. Oh, I'm not what I thought I was, which is this bunch of thoughts that I would call myself or whatever and um, there's something more essential that I am so I I it, it's it's certainly not something that's grand or can be sought after it's a very very ridiculously simple thing to see so simple that we don't see it mm-hmm. um because it is just hiding in plain sight so so let's just move on for a bit, right? Because I want to look at the relationship between awakening and enlightenment. And, and you know, there's more around awakening people can get either from your book or other podcasts or stuff. So what we're saying here is awakening is a recognition of what our central nature is, which is something that is pre our psychology, which isn't the content of our thoughts, sensations, uh, feelings, etc. So it's pre us. Yeah. And then enlightenment, what you're pointing to there is i'll put it in my words and you come back to me is is kind of how we are in the world how we deal with our psychology how we our relationship to the world of form that's maybe of external objects and our own belief systems and narratives and the ease beauty joy or lack of um that we find in in life Mm yeah 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 which i can't remember if i said it just before but yeah those places where we butt up against life the places where that looks like there's a problem the places where i resist the experience i'm having or the other people in my life are all examples of where i'm not enlightened they're all examples where i'm carrying an idea that i'm holding as true and therefore in the in trying to hold that as true while life is is bringing me an experience that's showing it's not true. The more I cling to that, the more I'm going to yeah. suffer, and the more, yeah, I'm not going to enlighten from it. So really, yes. yeah, enlightenment is that um, really releasing all those thoughts and feelings and emotions back into the flow of life, because that's what they're designed for. They're designed for movement. They're designed for being brought in. They appear for this moment and then they're gone, and then they appear and then they're gone. And that's what they're made for. That's their nature. That's their design. And so the minute we try and cling, thinking as long as I hold onto this belief, I'll be okay, then we are going to suffer. We are guaranteeing that we're going to suffer because mm. that's not the nature of life. 
and, no. and, it's, and that's fine because life will bring us experiences in order to say let go let go of that belief that, that belief is not true and it brings us that through our suffering it brings us that through our frustration our stress our overwhelm our whatever doesn't feel good it's not feeling good because life's trying to tell us you need to lighten up from this you need to enlighten yes and i, I think if i put it simply you know all suffering mild or major comes from resistance to the what is and to put it in enlightenment language when we're enlightened we have less resistance to the what is um when we're not enlightened or on and it might be on a particular aspect we're we're resisting the self is protecting or seeking therefore resisting the what is and that means we then tend to the system gets stagnant it gets stuck because we don't feel we don't allow the motion and the, and, and 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 the fluidity of just the what isness to come through and that's what causes up the issues so mm-hmm. so we, we go back to the enlightenment it's you, you there'll be areas of just to, if we, we describe it without using the word enlightenment just down to ordinary language there'll be bits of your life where it just it just feels there's ease and there's there's um some degree of kind of fluidity and clarity and potential and resourcefulness and there'll be other areas of your life where it doesn't so it might be at work there might be with a you know particular project or person where you're just like ah oh, it's one you don't look forward to there's a heaviness to it right mm-hmm. you, you think you have to work quite hard at it you have to oh i've got to bring my a game to this because this is you know i need to navigate this and it, it might even keep you awake at night and there'll be other areas where you're like no that's i just go with that you know doesn't mean there isn't some cognitive functioning that will happen of course that's just just a game of life but it will have a different feel to it and then what tends to happen is you know if i use my aperture um metaphor which regular listeners will know all about you know when we're in a contracted air aperture there's less enlightenment generally it feels available and when we're in a higher aperture it feels like more of life has this ease this you feel more enlightened on it so question then what is what do you think is the relationship between awakening and enlightenment do you need one to have the other how do they work together in your view yeah Yeah, so the way i see it at least in my own experience and, and what i see with a number of clients is that often some enlightenment has happened prior to awakening because often people will have already gone through some kind of personal development of some kind. So they'll have already been working with a coach or a therapist or somebody who's working in a, in a normal psychology realm, but who has at least been helping that individual question their thinking and question the, the holding of a belief. You know, is that really serving you? Is, is that belief really true? You know, any good coach or therapist is going to be doing that with people already, even if they, they would call themselves a mindset coach or something. Mm many people have already done something of that realm and already started to realize that some of the things they've believed aren't true. So there's already been a level of beginning to question life, beginning to question what I thought I knew to be true, beginning, beginning to question things that I've perhaps carried for a number of years and which now I see, oh, that yeah, that's really not helping me. Now I'm doing this different job or now I'm a parent or now whatever else is happening. So I, I, I think that often people have already done some of that work and helpfully because it seems that that then already starts to open the aperture again, to use that um, mm. metaphor, to to have more space, to have more um, openness, to start to look towards awakening and to start to see that, oh, maybe who I thought I was isn't who I really am. And if that's the case, then who am I really you know obviously that's the fundamental question of awakening and so it looks to me like that enlightenment process can begin prior to awakening it might not always but it looks like in most people's experience that will have happened yeah and then and then the shift that comes available after awakening is that well and I say after awakening as if it's one moment in time yeah it seems to me that after the fuller recognition shall we say that after the full recognition of who I am so I, I know I am not a separate self i know i'm not a separate being i am one being appearing as this helen and so i no longer identify as the character i love her she's cool she does some nice stuff and she (laughs) has fun she's got some great kids and but that's not who i really am i just enjoy the experience of being helen 
And so that shift then opens up a whole different level of space for the enlightenment process to happen, because now there's no Helen to protect anymore. Whereas before it looked like, well, no, I have to hang on to this belief because that's who Helen is. Even if that belief was causing me pain and suffering, it looked like I no, 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 but I really have to hold on to this one because who would I be if I didn't have this belief? You know, if we mm. if we believe believe if we believe that we are beliefs, <clears throat> mm. then of course we we think we have to cling on to them in order to survive, in order to be okay. And mm. so that protection and defense is always present. The more we we're awakened, the less protection and defense there is because what's being protected? Nothing. Mm. And so then enlightenment becomes much easier because it's now just the appearance of, oh, here's a thing I'd not seen very clearly before or seeing for the first time. Oh, wow, yeah, look how I've been believing that as a, as a strategy for life. Well, that doesn't work. That's not helpful. That's not successful. Yes. Well, I just, you know, and, it, and it's that which allows it to then move and, and flow. And I, th- I think if I, if I track my own, you know, evolvement, evol- evolution as a coach, right so before i knew all about this stuff you know i i would be doing some work to help people have a better life and you could call that feel a bit more enlightened in areas of their life Mm. um and we could get there great um but it it was you know it felt quite involved you would dig through your psychology and 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 you know trying to find ways to do belief change and all that kind of stuff You, you definitely got some progress and i think the reason you can do that is because we're already awake right so the reason that's not impossible is because we're already awake, we just don't know it, right? So now, if I think about what I spend most of my time doing as a coach, and, and we'll get in, more into this because I think it's so fascinating, is it's just pointing people who have forgotten they're awake already, right? And then, oh, yeah, boom. So it can be one text message, one sentence. You're like, oh, yeah, bang. And the enlightenment just comes flooding in again. Whereas in the old days, you wouldn't be able to do that because you weren't pointing to the awakening awakening as a as the leverage point so i think so if we answer the question you know can we have an enlightened life without being awake yes but bear in mind that's because you're already awake right but without the full recognition yes you can does that become dramatically more elegant and easier once you've had the full recognition of awakening yes i mean that's that's my view and i think i'm you know echoing what you're saying um so and and that's why we now be... say the awakening is so crucial. Yes, yes. And, and equally the other way around. So, so we can be awakened. We can be knowingly awakened. We can know who we really are. And we can not be enlightened. So I wrote a post once called um, something about why you can be an awakened ass. Because you can, you can have that recognition of who you really are. But you can have a whole bunch of psychological mess which hasn't been looked at or understood or inquired into. And then your behaviours are therefore still aligned with the ass you were prior to awakening. So some of it might get cleared up in the awakening process, but not always. Um, mm-hmm. I think so. there's a couple of guys, uh, oh, Brian and I can't remember the other one's name, but Awareness Explorers podcast. Mm-hmm. And and so they, they, they talk about the same thing that um, you could they use the term jerk, but it doesn't matter what you call it. It's like if you haven't done any exploration of your psychology, you can just be an awakened jerk. Because yeah. if that's what you were prior to awakening, and if there's been no exploration, then yeah, that's still that's just what you're going to. And I think that's see, I, I would agree with that, and that's because <laughs> this might be, be listeners might go, "What you're just going to contradict yourself?" Um, that's <laughs> because the awakening was already there. Right. So it, it, it's the I think what it is, is, if you try to look at clean up your psychology without awakening, that's tough. Right. If you have an awakening, it makes it easy to clean up your psychology. But one doesn't necessarily equal the other. However, mm-hmm. they are very natural bedfellows, I would say that. And I would say sometimes it's quite difficult not to have some falling away of belief system and whatever when you have an awakening. Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you, you carry on because what we can do is possible for the system to do is to have some awakening experiences and then turn your back on that because your psychology, which has got a few decades of conditioning comes flooding back in. You almost forget discredit don't recognize the significance of the awakening. Right. And then just dive back into your psychology. Mm-hmm. Now, 
that that I think would happen all the time for people because we're always having little awakening moments. We're just not pointed to it. I think the the um, awakening jerk, whatever you called them, um, <laughs> the fact they're self-identifying with being awake and then still not clearing at their psychology is an odd place to be in, in my mind. Because either you're just not aware that you've been awake and that's why you haven't cleaned up your psychology, but to be aware you've been awake and then not want to clear up your psychology seems odd, but that's just my, my well, take. But- but nobody's choosing it, though, are they? Like, I, I don't think there's a... Well, it's not... Well, not yeah, OK, I don't mean choice, but I mean, it, it, the, the, in, the, the invitation from the universe, if it doesn't sound yeah. too trite, is there, isn't it? Yes. And, and, and then to self-identify reason. with that afterwards, going, well, I'm awake, but I'm still a jerk. And I know there's no choice, yeah. but it feels... That feels like a position, a self-identified position. I think you'd be easier saying I'm just not awake. Yeah, so so I hear in that then it's like the ego's come back in and, and attached and identified to I'm an awake ego. Yeah, and yeah. This, so, which is so the full recognition hasn't happened. No, yeah. exactly because yeah. my yeah. my oh it's so difficult to to put definite de- definitivenesses on this Helen, isn't it? But my sense is there is a and I use this term you may recognise it a, a valve moment we 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 can go through where. And by with a valve, just from an engineering perspective, once you go for the valve, you don't really come back. You you can lose sight of it, but you you sort of it becomes much more familiar and closer to us. This this what what we truly are. And and if that awakening has happened, you're never far away from it. So it's quite hard once you've been awake mm-hmm. to be too far from it. Now you can be, you you can be, but it doesn't feel it's that far away Mm, mm. Um, i mean it's never really that far away but i think there's less resistance and rejection from the ego to go back to it yeah whereas when you haven't had a full recognition of awakening the ego can really resist the idea of enlightenment it's like no there's nothing there yeah awakening it kind of knows it kind of knows its days are numbered (laughs) so Mm. but but it's it is an interesting um thing i i do think both are very valid and i and i i in my language call it recalibration that's just sort of the language okay. i use which is how the system once you wake it up if you carry on nudging it right which is a bit of cleaning up it starts to self recalibrate sorry i just mm-hmm. get myself mm-hmm. out of there it starts to recalibrate where that the the belief systems and narratives start to slightly loosen, dissolve, and they just take a little bit of nudging and then blur, they collapse, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a recalibration. But you've kind of got to, it's a bit like a th- smart thermostat. You kind of got to wake it up to tell it to calibrate. So, so you know, these these smart devices, they, they take a, a while of period to learn you or something, I don't know, mm-hmm. calibrate to you. But you've got to turn it on and switch it on. Mm-hmm. Um because mm. it's been in dormant mode for so long. So awakening mm. wakes up the smart thermostat. <laughs> and then it's sort of, and then through recalibration with a little bit of nudging from yourself or from a coach or whatever, it's, you start to see the cleanup happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, okay well, then. Just, just, sorry, just an image that came to mm. mind with that then is like the, um, so I sometimes think about it as the, the light of awareness. And so that light as it shines on what isn't true, when it shines on certainly what isn't in a, in alignment with that light, that's the, yeah, that's that recognition of like, oh, this bit, this bit doesn't fit. In fact, it reminds me of your, um, your analogy of the pipe, like cleaning the pipe. Oh yeah, so, the visible so the, drain cleaner. Yeah. yeah. So if that light was shining down the pipe, it's going to spot all the bits of gunk that have been collected along the way. So until we're knowingly that light, until we're knowingly awake, we can't see all the bits of gunk. But it's really cool because it seems like um, we're given the next thing. It's like almost we clear this bit of gunk. Oh, okay. Well, now that's cleared the way so I can see the next bit. Yes. And so that can then have the light shone on it. And it seems to come like layer after layer of, okay, now this Well, I I think think that's really interesting because I now start to see more and more that the world that as it presents itself um it's just you know that the rendering of the world as it presents itself is just is, is just is created by the mind i use that word very broadly um and therefore is just purely representative of our current 
narratives and belief systems and constructs. So it's showing us, as you say, mm -hmm. right, it's showing us the world as we see it, right, which isn't it's showing us the appearance of reality, not reality. That's really important. And I think people who are in this understanding would know that, but just I'll say it again. So what we see through the prism of the mind, that the personal mind, is our appearance of reality, not reality. And the way that it appears depends on our level of enlightenment, if you want to call it that. When we're awake, to add that bit in, it's easier to see, oh, that's what the world is appearing to me is, not some external dual, dualistic kind of, thing that's outside of me and you know so therefore life becomes this beautiful kind of um exposure and emergence of your own psychology i was going to say your own crap we can call it how you want and <laughs> and and you'll see that really powerfully in things like intimate relationships parenting where, where you've got the most gunk in the pipe yeah. <laughs> so then the purpose of not the purpose but 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 a lovely feature of a relationship is to see your own stuff yeah. and if you yeah. do that with the light of awareness as you say um it shines a light on it and you go oh my gosh look at all that stuff mm -hmm. that i'm resisting or suffering and then it seems to then loosen that mm -hmm. you know it's like ice melting under the sunlight it mm -hmm. you know you start to see it you start to see it yeah 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 but, but here's a question for you then, right? So to go from what sounds like quite complicated to really simple, would you? how would you see this? If I, if I said to you, literally, it looks to me like there is one movement that we can make, and movement's the wrong word, but you, you, you'll get what I'm saying, um, in any moment that allows us in that moment to be enlightened, and it's the movement to see what we are, to go from I am an entity, an experiencer of my thoughts, sensations, perceptions, and that movement to I am awareness itself, I am the space that those things happen in. And in any moment we do that one movement, or that one movement occurs, we don't really do it, um, we will feel enlightened. So yes, in the moment of it, yeah. I guess what I've seen again for myself and for my clients is that <clears throat> um, there are some repeating patterns that just seem incredibly stubborn. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 so I know. So for some, I know for some people, I think. Um, so the greatest secret, Rhonda Byrne wrote. Her approach was very much along these lines speaking very much like Lester Levinson, his kind of approach of literally all he was ever doing was stepping back, being the awareness of whatever it was that was coming into his experience. And that was his only thing to do, if you like. That was the only activity. Um, in my experience, that's not always been enough. Or or that's not, not what's happened anyway. That's, that's not what's happened. There's also been... Um, exploring the thinking, exploring the logic of the thinking, wonky logic, but logic. Um, so kind of going into it more than um, more than Lester would have done. So not just stepping back with awareness all the time, sometimes going to see, well, why is it I keep doing that thing? So track it back. Oh, well, look, because there's this belief that says you should, and therefore, yeah. well, of course, that's what's going to come out the other end. So um, it can then look very much like normal psychology-based exploration, but there's a very key difference in that yes. of knowing who you are that's yes. having that experience of that thought and that behavior. Yes. That, that makes total sense to me because the way I now articulate that recently is the difference between inquiry and reflection. Again, right. listeners, two more words. So sorry whether if you're bored of us trying to describe words, or you might love it. Go great, two more words, right? Um, so <laughs> here goes. Try this one on. See what you think. So inquiry is the self-direct experience. Inquiry is the seeing in that moment which I do I think I am, right? Am I standing as awareness? That one movement I said. It's literally mm -hmm. just going mm -hmm. ah, tracing back to I. Rupert Spira would call it tracing back to I, seeing I am the thing before the objects. Mm. and that's inquiry 
And that's really quite binary at one level, sort of. And then reflection is playing around in psychology, one could argue, with the content of the narrative or the content of the appearance. Mm -hmm. And traditional non-dual, sorry, not not non-dual, so dualistic coaching, um, would play around in psychology and, you know, psychologists and psychoanalysts, well, you could dive around there for years having a play around and what do I see fresh about this and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's be reflecting. They'd be very self-reflective and they'd have great self-awareness, right? But they'd still think the self was a thing because they haven't done the inquiry piece, which is the, oh, which, which, which eye am I looking at this from? <laughs> so if you do the inquiry, then the reflection... I think that's really valuable. If you mm. do just the reflection without the inquiry, it's a bit like enlightenment without awakening, you could say, mm. right? Mm. Um, because, because I would find from my experience, sometimes just the movement of inquiry fixes it. I, I say fixes if there's a good and bad, but you know what I mean, right? Clears it up. And it, that's all you need. Don't need any reflection. And all the reflection is just fill the coaching session up because it's not time to finish yet, right? Um, <laughs> kind of interesting, but it's not really doing anything. And then sometimes it feels like you do need, as you said, the reflective bit to 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 put more, I don't know, shine the light slightly differently or um, I don't know what's going on, but there's some kind of, pro it feels like some kind of processing is needed. Now, whether that's illusory or not probably is, I don't know. But does that distinction make sense? In mm. how I described it. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the words that occurred to me at the end of that was that when we're looking in that way, we're looking very honestly and we're looking very directly. So we're not hiding, we're not manipulating, we're not trying to do anything, in fact. So the, the difference for me, because my my prior to this exploration um, coaching was very much psychology-based, yeah, bordering on therapeutic, yeah, very much about let's change your thinking, let's get better thinking so you can have a better life. So it was very much in the realm of, um, yes, lightening them of some some old beliefs but it was with a view to well we have to replace them with some better beliefs we need to fix you because there's a problem here and you need some better thinking and then that shift in this world is well no we're just seeing it we are purely bringing this stuff to the surface to see it to shine that light on it we don't we don't need to get in there and meddle and do something with it and the same when it comes to the emotional body I, I often will sit with clients now and we're just present with their physical experience of their emotion, just seeing it, just shining that light on it. Well, where is it and what's it doing? And is it changing? No, oh, that's okay. Oh, but, oh, but it's changing now. You know, it, it's like, but there's no, there's no intention for it to be different. There's no mm. agenda. Mm. There's no, um, I don't need this thinking to change. I don't need it to be different. I don't need the feelings or emotions to change. My my sole interest is in us as awareness, shining our lights on this stuff, seeing it, understanding it, looking at it so honestly, going, oh, my God, I, yeah, that's, that's me. Like, I was judging them for that, but it started with a judgment here. It started with me judging here that led to me judging them out there as a projection. It's, it's those honest honest and very clearly clear eyed and, and that's really hard to do if you don't know what you are right exactly so, exactly. so that's why it's so the the self-inquiry and the awakening is so important because it's very difficult to have that neutral i would call it just very neutral or direct i think you said um reflection if 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 you are invested in the yeah. thing searching right or the thing that's being yeah. searched whereas when you realize it's not you it's not a problem yeah uh, it's a lot less of one so and I think that's what makes it much more an elegant um, approach. So mm. it tidies all that up. And because there's no resistance to going, I must, this, you know, there's, there's no seeking or resistance. As yeah. I said earlier, that's, that's what creates all the, all the suffering for us and, you know, um, conflict on the outside and lack of harmony on the inside. So, okay, so bring this back around again now. Um, what we're saying is that from our experience and evolution over the years, the most people are after some form of enlightenment, whether that's at work or at yeah. home or whatever it is, you know, that that's fairly obvious. We're looking for more joy and fulfillment and connectedness, you know, um, and you can go about that 
in various various modalities of course you can and you'll get some results from that but the awakening piece as we've hopefully helpfully described it seems to be the i was going to say the silver bullet but i don't want to say that um but i've just said it um (laughs) at the beginning that really makes a difference to the power of clearing up the psychology Mm, right mm. and without that it's going to be a lot more it's going to be um a a, a bumpier process it's going to have more resistance in it it's going to be more patchy you could call it um Mm. and it, it actually can be quite frustrating because you're trying to get somewhere Mm. And you know, it feels like it's like a journey or or like like a like like an effort. Um yeah. whereas almost after an awakening, it's it feels there's just a natural evolution that way. As I say, it's a recalibration. Um yeah. 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 And just so in relation to that then, because because absolutely there is a natural so as we've said, there's already been a natural pull almost into that. Like there's been a natural pull that I'm sure my life could be better than this. I'm sure I could be happier than this. We've already always been pulled in that direction. And, and yeah, the, the difference to me is that the, that awakening, it likes, it's like the lid is lifted off. So there's, there's nothing, because um, in the spaciousness of that recognition, there's, there's nothing left that can hold the stories in place. Mm. The anchor has been, has been released. So mm. all the all the stuff can move and flow much more easily, and to me, it it makes all the difference to have somebody alongside you who has an understanding of this process, and whether that's a friend or a coach or a guide, whatever they want to call themselves. But when I see, and and I've been there too. Gosh, the number of times I would have gone to a coach in the past seemingly as if I'd never seen anything at all about my essential nature, completely lost in whatever conditioning was coming to the surface to be loved and seen in that light. I was lost in it again. It's like, oh my goodness, it's no, this is really terrible. No, this is really a problem. This is really an issue. Like this, oh no, this isn't just my conditioning playing out. No, 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 this isn't this isn't the enlightenment process. No, this is a real problem. And of course, through some conversation with them, it then became evident and I settled down and it was like, oh, blimey, it is my conditioning again. (laughs) Mm. It is is my, it is me creating this, or this, this system is creating this experience. And, and so to me that it's hugely powerful to have somebody with you who can, and who is knowingly in that space, because then they sit and they are that assuredness for you. They are that knowing for you in the moment that you've forgotten it, in the moment you've lost sight of it. And they help you remember and they help you see honestly again. They help you look honestly and directly again and go, oh, my God, yeah, look, it was it was my psychology. It was my conditioning creating this. And so, that's great. Another so, opportunity. so, yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's the valid role of the coach. So, so, and you said an interesting thing before we pressed record. You said, oh, I, um, I think you said something like maybe um, you and I, go about the enlightenment after the awakenment slightly differently um now i'm curious to know what you meant by that so so let's just spend a couple of minutes talking about that what did you mean by that about doing the enlightenment as a coach differently what are the different forms of how we could do this as coaches yeah so well i guess this will be good to know because i don't i don't know actually what you do <laughs> <laughs> been a few years since we professionally worked together, <laughs> a few yeah. years. so um so i i would imagine that you're more in the realm of let take you straight back to awareness and then let's see what's happening mm-hmm. whereas I think my approach is much more let's start with the content let's so sometimes I will take somebody straight to the recognition of their self but much more often I'll start at the content level start with the thinking and feelings become friendly with all of that again welcoming all of that again and, th- and if at some point during that there's a natural segue or opportunity to to recognize essential nature then that will happen but it's kind of like I'm, I'm kind of work I, I think I more often work from downstream to upstream whereas I imagine that you 
more often go straight upstream and then yeah see what's yeah i i i think that's right i mean i think my rightly or wrongly who knows is is to try and get upstream as quickly as i can <laughs> um but without agenda <laughs> um yeah but because but sometimes you have to meet people downstream just to to allow yourself to have the space for the conversation upstream um this is if i'm working with someone not just doing a one-off or something like if i'm working with someone a period of time or a course um is to start upstream and then come back down so go from awakening to enlightenment right um and sometimes you, you can't get all the way up there so you, you you do have to come down and in, into it and and you know but i think the reason i do that is i know that once they've had that an awakening all of the enlightenment stuff will be easier because of what we've just been saying for the last half hour um now i think it depends where you kind of oh where people are at which i know is a bit of a a silly phrase but it, it does sort of depend but where i would definitely be aiming is up there because i just see the power of it i just see the power of it and i'm trying to make it as simple and as pervasive as possible um now what i will then do in my coaching once someone's had the awakening and then we're coming back down i will meet them at their psychology and we'll, we'll look at that on the reflective side but keep coming mm -hmm. back up to the in, 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 you know the in, inquiry and the awakening but yeah and I imagine, Helen, from just the way you've written your book and the way you, you talk, you are still prioritizing or seeing the power of the inquiry or the awakening piece is quite huge compared to most coaches out there. Yeah, yeah. And and I almost to the point where I see it as can we just tick this box so that we can get into the interesting stuff? <laughs> <laughs> interesting from whose perspective, I suppose? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, so, so because fundamentally we all want a nicer life. Yes. That's really what we all want. Yes. And a huge part of that comes from awakening because that is the ground of happiness and security and, and safety and okayness that we've always been looking for. So it is massive and, yeah, so fundamental to making the rest of it easier. And... And yeah, I just, I seem to really like being in the exploration of thoughts and feelings in the body and, and to, and to lighten that, that experience to, to sit with people. But, but you're still doing that, that the, the being in the understanding of the, sorry, getting oh, yeah. feelings and thoughts and of the body, you're still, you're not doing anything else when, when you're there, you're still only pointing back up. Yeah. Well, and I, and I kind of think I'm, I'm being that yeah With it, it, exactly so it's emanating yeah and and, and i i think you, you you have to do that really i can't see any in a way I, as a coach i can't really see any other way of doing it mm. um so maybe we're describing the same thing it maybe it may be a little bit differently about about how quickly think, we go there or how just, directly yeah, but i, I think would there's say an, there's an, yeah there's an emphasis thing and i and i think yeah so for me the the people who often come to me are those who have very strong and overwhelming emotional experiences. Ah. And so, and that's not been my experience. I'm I'm like the stable ship of emotions, mm. which provides them a safe place to come and allow them to be with that and to mm. help them. So my favorite Sid Banks quote, if all that people learned was not to be afraid of their, afraid their own experience, experience yeah. <laughs> that alone would change the world. Yes, it so would. So I see my job, my job fundamentally is helping people not be afraid of their experience. And because they can often be very um, much caught when their emotions start moving, my job is to, first of all, help them become unafraid of that. Often that's the very first thing that's most helpful because then that creates the space for them to, to potentially move into awakening more. Yeah. Because they have often come on the back of an awakening, but it's like it's not been seen enough. And so my job is to be with them in the thoughts and feelings aspect to support them feeling unafraid of that because often by that point after initial awakening stronger stuff's coming up it's like it yes. can get worse before it yes. gets better yes i mean so, absolutely because the the as the pipe clears you know other other the world will manifest in a different way for you but all usefully um yeah. so yeah. i think having someone a guide is, is is very important and i think you know it's just worth referencing here if if anyone from the business world is still listening and they haven't been completely put off 
you might be thinking, well, what's the relevance to leadership or workplace or business of, of this conversation? Because isn't enlightenment what we do on a Sunday afternoon and got no place in? No, 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 no. So what we're saying is very, very simply, uh, uh, imagine people find work quite hard work, quite overwhelming, quite difficult, quite burnouty, um, too many things to do, pulled in different places, quite strivy, like I need to get to yeah. the next level, I must hit my sales targets, or, you know, if they feel any kind of burden, yeah. whether that's as an employee or as a leader, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you go to work, we're using this phrase enlightenment today, but if, if you go to work like that, in more flow, with more ease, everything that you do at work becomes easier, mm. including all those difficult clients or customers or employees or colleagues or you know compliance regulations so it's still relevant and um, you think yeah. well do i need to be awake to go to do i do i need to have an awakening to go to work well yeah because if you it's realize the person going to work is just an avatar not me that needs to do well at work you know if, yeah. if you if you if you don't recognize your true essential nature when at work work's hard work mm. what's called work yeah. right yeah 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 oh my goodness there's, yeah there's huge huge opportunities and well to go back to that quote again imagine if everybody in a workplace wasn't afraid of their experience imagine if everybody in a yeah. workplace was just yeah being their full expression of life yeah just displaying their talents being at their best interacting I mean, easily collaborating co-creating you know all the things instead that we mess around with things like psychological safety which is a kind of concession to the fact that you may not be at your essence at work and we then try to create this idea of psychological safety which is really saying you're not to, to go back to sid's quote you're, you're scared of your experience but we'll try and make that you'd be less scared by making the experience less scary right mm -hmm. which is like trying to make the tv show less scary rather than just explaining some of the nature of tv mm -hmm. right yeah. so so we know in the workplace that we're lacking this because we have the need for things like psychological safety. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, is just a sticky plaster to yeah. the lack of, it's trying to be more enlightened than be awake, I suppose. Would we say that? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's working hard, isn't it? It's working harder than we need to, to try and recreate the feeling of ourself. Yes. So, so we're trying to, to create the feeling of safety and security and connection and there's and, and, and great because at least we're trying to do something. Mm. But if we have the recognition of ourselves and recognize that, oh, I am the feelings of connection and safety and security, it's not coming from out there. And if I then clear up my psychology, so I realize all the places where I'm resisting them because of an idea I hold, not because of who they are, then all of that falls away with interest in direct connection with people including mm. if that means saying i don't like that behavior i don't like how you're speaking to me including if that means saying i'm not finding this job fulfilling and i'd like to do something else you know all the all the possibilities of conversation are still available it's just that we can have that conversation knowing who we are and absent of our own internal clutter and so the words come out much clearer much more um loving yeah much more considerate of the whole much more adult fundamentally yes yeah because this is definitely not denying you having a point of view about the world or going oh yeah. i'll just suck it up i'm a doormat no 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 that, that's 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 completely to miss the trick and what we're saying it, it's the opposite you, you can say and express how you see the world just with a gentle clarity and assertiveness and and you know just like well that's how i see it but i, I know there's nothing at stake because mm. right? i know it's not about me or about you yeah. so yeah so, so thinking about, you know, sort of slightly putting a bow on this, right? Um, what would you, I suppose it might be useful just very practically at the end. How would, you, any indicators that you would point to people to have a look at, to see, you know, they might be going, well, am I awake? Am I enlightened? You know, how, what would be the, just, yeah. just give people a couple of little indicators. Yeah, I think it's probably those words we've used a few times through this of that ease and flow and life going just how you hoped it would um things working out synchronicities happening more frequently those are all signs that you're working in alignment with the system and not mm -hmm. innocently battling it mm. internally so that would be so some, had, 
Yeah. Sit, Kai, you carry on. I was just going to say I had a really simple example of that the other day where um, I was getting my son to a, a, what's it called, orchestra concert. And I was concerned about the time. I was concerned that we weren't going to get him there on yeah. time. And the number of vehicles that were in the way that were breaking down, the light traffic lights stopping. Now, I swear, so the vast majority of my life now, things just work out. The weather's nice and dry on the day that I want it to be nice and dry. The mm. traffic just flows. It, you know, it's all the vast majority. 95% of the time is ease and flow, and it just works out, and it's synchronistic, and all the component parts slot into place just as they need to. And then the contrast, which yeah. actually used to be my primary state, my my, mm -hmm. my main state when I came to you, Piers, was of what I had at the weekend, where all the traffic lights on red, all the cars breaking down, problem, 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 reflecting back that mm. I was I was a bit contracted in that on that in that. I had exactly the same thing when I oh, was really? trying to work out the best route to get someone. I was in a rush. I then ended up by looking getting the wrong route, and then I got stuck behind a, like a really slow car, and I was like, universe. I know you're trying to tell me, and it's not funny. Um, <laughs> I could half see it at that moment, right? I could half see it going, oh, I see what's happened. Okay. Um, you know, it, but it's so anyway, the, I think the signs of enlightenment are that ease, that synchronicity, things working out. Um, you take things less personally, right? Yeah. So there's signs that you're working more, more in alignment. So I would say that's more awakening, though, to take things less personally because you know who you are. You yeah, but I think that would be both. Less personally, would be when you feel enlightened, you don't things don't really water off ducks back. No, no, yeah, I would still classify that as awakening. So to me, that's been the critical thing that's allowed enlightenment to happen more easily. It's not personal. It's, it's in knowing it's not personal. I can I can see this conditioning. I can see the story playing out. I can see the. So, so do you think it. you can be enlightened and and still take things personally? I'm not sure you can. Yeah, because you haven't necessarily awakened. Okay. All right. That's the distinction. Yeah. Right, I get you. Yeah. Right. So, so, okay. That's going to be my next question, which you just half answered. What might be a little indicator to say I'm on the, on, on the enlightenment journey, but I'm not awake. What, what might be an indicator of that? Yeah. I reckon that's what you, that's the main thing. It's not personal. And it, right. if we don't take it personally, then, then we're in, awakened. We're knowingly ourselves. We're awakened. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. that's probably the most fundamental. Or if you just find enlightenment really quite arduous or yeah. very hit and miss, um, and very yeah. fickle. I mean, I yeah. think there's a fickleness to everything in life, but but it, when it feels like it's a grind or a task or a kind of, I need to get here on the ladder of enlightenment. That yeah. shows to me there's enlightenment without uh, awakening yeah. going on. Because I think there's yeah. like a magic carpet when you when you're awake. And yeah, and there is a lot of crossover because I'm thinking about now. So in in our book, we use the Netty quiz as a mm. as a measure, inverted commas measure of your awakeness. But it is a really good measure, and some of the things they'll talk about is that you know the kind of experience of flow and connection with others. So, and that's the point at which for me, awakening and enlightenment are so so well. They're really not two separate processes. They're so intimately linked and so intimately mutually supportive of each other, and and both move us in the direction of a nicer, easier life, which is the ease and the flow and the um, expansiveness and the synchronicity. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a huge crossover because I think a lot of those those words come through the awakening process too as we mm. yeah start back into ourselves. So, so we've kind of hit time. So, what what we've really done here, listeners, is pulled apart quite forensically, well, maybe at least at what time allowed these two things to say they're kind of separate but they're not really right that they are part and parcel and, and i guess for, for me and i think i would probably speak for you too helen that as a coach when you put these two things together it's a very powerful combo right but yeah. trying to do enlightenment without awakening isn't as elegant or as effective or as transformative or as sustainable mm -hmm. right? yeah. just having awakening the the, the risk if that's such a word is that you would just accidentally turn your back on that yeah. And the, the, the sequential psychological clear up wouldn't happen. Mm. So yeah. that's why we're saying put them both together. Hey, presto, <laughs> things work.
sounds like a new recipe, a new cookery program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, uh, dab of an, uh, start off with your base of awakening and add in a couple of dots and enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes at 180. <laughs> yeah, but what I would say on the recipe, recipe metaphor, it's totally individual how long you need to cook it yes. and quite where you get your ingredients from. So it's not really a recipe, although it could have elements <laughs> of it. Um, Helen, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to say just to, you know, really put a put a final succinctness on this no i think there is i think we've we've covered a lot of ground and i'll be really up for hearing questions actually that's one thing to say always up for hearing questions and what's occurred to people and yes yes and and listeners as as always you know really really open the opportunity for you to share anything and you probably know already if you listen to this podcast but Helen and uh her co-author sarah wrote a great book uh launched last year uh end of 22 um which is called the complete book of awakening and guess what that's about to that book um <laughs> it is the comprehensive uh guide to self-inquiry and awakening and dives a load more into what we've just touched on um today so um check that out um and also helen's community thoughtful raven and all the details will be in the show notes so helen thank you so much listeners um have fun being curious catch you next time If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.